0: Is an ancient word that means Lord. It refers to one singular ruler or person in power. The plural form is Adonai. It's used in the Bible, like in Psalm 110, to refer to a human lord or master. But when the Bible refers to God as THE LORD, in all caps, it uses an exclusively different form of the word for the God of Israel, Adonai. Moses called God Jehovah until he made him his Lord in Exodus 4. And when he gave into submission, He referred to him as Adonai. Psalm 110 gives us an early glimpse into the Trinity when it says, Jehovah Naim Adonai, the Lord says to my Lord, which is the verse that Jesus used to absolutely slice the Pharisees' criticism of him. In Joshua chapter three, the Ark of the Covenant is called the Ark of the Covenant of Adonai. And Joshua told the people when the priests of Adonai set their feet in the Jordan River, the waters would stop rushing. It was meant to show the people that God would be with Joshua, just like he was with Moses. And Joshua wanted to show the people that God was not just Elohim to him, he was Adonai, he was Lord. The Bible says that when the soles of the feet of the priests of the Ark of Adonai touched the water, it stopped flowing, and when they got to the middle, they were on dry ground. Just like God had been Adonai Lord to Moses, so he would be to Joshua and David and Jesus and us. Just because we've heard these terms a lot doesn't mean that they're all interchangeable. Someone can be God and not your Lord. If you know God exists, great, but making him your Adonai, your Lord, your master, means something more intimate and more practical in each day of your life. When God is your personal Adonai, you follow his every move because he is your Lord. Through God's names, we learn more about God. My hope, though, is that it wouldn't stop there, that you wouldn't just know more about God, but that you would truly know God.
1: One church, if we wanted to. But I believe it takes all of us on the Outer Banks to make that happen. And uh, if you're in any kind of ministry, CTO, you know what I'm talking about. It takes a lot of people to make it work, but uh, God's a big God. I really believe with everything within me that uh, I've said to you. First, I'm Pastor Stephen. If you don't know who I am, uh, I'm sorry rattling off here. Uh, If it's your first time here, grateful to have you. But we have launched into a window of time. And I believe that the youth is the biggest part of that right now on the Outer Banks and across the nation. If you've watched anything with Ashbury, Kentucky, I think I've said that right, there, the college there, you can see what that revival is doing. And uh, our kids here locally, uh, your youth kids, uh, high school students, have an opportunity to go to Ohio to the church that we uh, pastored in for so many years and uh, to Love is Red. It's an event that I really believe right now is a window of time. We've been there for years. We've we, we go. We've not been in probably two or three years now, but now we're getting ready to take another group back, and it's where they get around 3,000, 4,000 kids, and they just do God. They have God and minister, uh, Make just, just let God do what he does in their life. So uh, if you've got high school students and you're trying to figure out what they need to be doing right now, there's a place. We'll take care of them. We've got, uh, and if we need to rent another van to take all the students, we'll do whatever we've got to do. I know Pastor Tiffany's going on that group as well. And uh, I've had to hold her back the past few years, respectfully so, uh, from going. But she's not going to miss this one. And uh, so if it's funds that are, you're needed, uh, we're looking at opportunities to scholarship your kids. We'll be able to do help you out the best way we can. But we need to get our kids in this window of time. Jesus is coming back. Amen. And there's an attack against the youth. There's an attack against uh, uh, your youth, and uh, God's a big God. Amen? Uh, Why don't you tell somebody, He's so good. Well, we're going to continue on with our study today uh, of the names of God, and uh, we're going to hone in on this name, Adonai, today. And uh, I believe this is the root of Jehovah in your life, which we will start next week and how you connect Elohim of Elohims into your life is right here with Adonai. How many enjoyed our study of Elohim last week? God, it so Man, it was so good. He, he's, the, he's the God of creation. <clears throat> Just look up, look around, and you'll see that He really does exist. Uh, and uh, one truth that uh, I can challenge you to go away with, maybe this after today, God owns everything. Everything God owns and if you are a Christian, he owns you, not until. But if you will accept him as Lord of your life, Adonai, the resort resources and the blessing and the protection will, will just overflow in your life like, like crazy. It really will. But it takes something for that to happen, and it requires something. Just like we studied last week with Elohim, there's a requirement of us to have Elohim of Elohims working in our life. We said it was faith. And uh, you're going to find out today that for Adonai to be working in your life, it requires two things, humility and submission. Maybe you didn't want to come to church to talk about submission and authority today, but we have to, because it is the bridge to faith, great faith in your life. And if your kids and family members of yours, uh, maybe they're not lining up with Uh, What some of these things we talk about today, maybe they're out there just doing their own thing and fall into the category of what the scriptures define as just high-minded pride, just craziness going on as a believer, as a Christian. You hold on to this promise. He's your Elohim of Elohims. Not only that, if you allow him to become your Lord of your life, Adonai, owner, ruler, and in a sense, commander of your life, then you can guarantee that everyone in your household shall be saved. And that's a big deal for some people right now because I know you're experiencing some things in your life that look totally opposite of that. And uh, just for contrast's sake... um, Actually, I tell you what, let's read some Scripture together. Stand up with me. Let's do some reading of the Word, and we'll launch right into this. I've got a, a plethora of stuff I want to share with you, and I've got to be a real good steward of the time remaining. And uh, if you're in a small group, thank you so much. Our men's small group on Thursday morning, 7 o'clock, at the Dunes Restaurant for the next seven weeks. You missed it this week. Come back out. Man, it has been powerful. We had 20 guys there this Thursday. It's powerful. And what we're doing is we're allowing these resources and this thought of the goodness of God and everything we get here on Sunday to carry into Monday through Saturday with you. But you've got to be in a small group for that to happen. And uh, we'll give you the things you need to be able to do that. Reading of the Word. Psalm 145, 2 through 3, the New Living Translation. This is our text for the year. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. The word there, Lord, is Adonai, connected to Jehovah. We'll start that study next week. Matthew six twenty four. Wake up call. Everybody say, wake up call. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon. Oh, Mammon is of course talking about finances in that scripture. That's for another day. Go to First Peter chapter five, verse six, and let's read this together. I want you to read out with me, okay? Should be up on the screen. Here we go. You ready? Read. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. Is that not there with you? <clears throat> Say this after me. Casting all your care, all your care upon, him, your care upon him, him, for he careth for you. Tell somebody. Oh, man, you guys are amazing. This going to be a good day. Tell somebody, he cares for you. Listen, he has got your best interests at heart. But it will require lordship. It will require Adonai coming into your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to just minister your word. I'm humbled that you've chosen me to be a communicator of something that you wrote, something that's who you are. It's your very personhood. And as I humble myself underneath of that anointing that gives me the place to be able to do so, I'm humbled that these people are willing to even listen and hear and so together as a family, we submit ourselves under that word and choose to not just be hearers of it today, but people that will apply it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen, you can be seated. <clears throat> we said that God knows, desires to know you and, and to get real close to you. And um, these are a couple of statements we've said over the past couple of weeks, when you get to know God by His names, it opens the door to knowing Him His character more fully. It only always like, and it's the word submission. And uh, the body of Christ does not like, like rank or authority. This proven sometimes in how we function, in, even in local church. And uh, if, you know, as a pastor, you would hope that I would be totally 100% behind the local organized church and its structure. Because I, the reason for that is I see its purpose. I see what it can do. I see what it's, but it's, you know, to, to resist that organization, local church, is really rebellion. And his pride in his purest form, because it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Go there real quick. This is not in my notes. Go there real quick. Genesis chapter 3. Can I show you something? Genesis chapter 3. We're going to have a good time today. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Don't skip over this word. The Lord God had made, owner of everything, creator of all things, Elohim of Elohims, ruler, master. But look how deceptive the devil was when he came to Eve. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? Isn't it interesting? He took a key word out. He did not say, has the Lord God said? Because he, didn't. he knew to appeal to Eve, he had to use the word God in a sentence. But he took the word Lord out. And it was from there it set the course for the world you see right now, a world that does not have a Lord, a world that resists lordship, ownership because of dictatorship, because of abuse and, and uh, slavery and, and things that happen in our history absolutely i understand but that's because man took something that was god given that was supposed to bring protection provision and promotion and he distorted it and tried to become god himself and lord it over people and be god of people you will never be god of people you can be their lord but never their god you can never take the place of elohim you didn't create nothing And if he's your real Lord, you own nothing either. Your finances, your body, your health, you own nothing. He owns it all. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Go with me to James chapter 4. Let's talk about this real quick. Uh, I don't mean to get bold in this, but man, I'm just telling you, if it goes to the beginning and you see how easy the devil can deceive people and get them to resist structure and order and authority and its rebellion in its nature, its pride in its, in its nature, it takes you away from, it actually bring, makes a mockery of God, the very one that wants to protect you and provide for you and promote you in this life. The devil would love to get you to walk away from a covering so that that will never happen in your life James chapter 4 6-7 through 7 verse, and verse 10 wherefore he saith to God we're going to talk about Adonai I promise wherefore he saith God resisteth the proud but he giveth grace to the humble submit yourselves therefore to God resist the devil and he will flee from you submission and humility is the only way to see the devil flee from you The word flee in in one commentary and even a translation, it says this, for to run from you as in terror. Listen, he's afraid of you when you begin to humble underneath the mighty hand of God and you submit to his lordship because it's that place. He remembers the beginning in chapter 3. He remembers Eve didn't do this. She gave him the right to life and to her life and became the God of this world in that moment. And he would love for her to be the God of your life, but he's not going to say he's not going to. Verse ten: Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. The word "Lord" here is kurios, equivalent to Adonai in the New Testament and Hebrew in the Greek. Excuse me, Hebrew and the Greek together. And it says, "Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up." Let's look at these couple words real quick. Submit to God. God being Elohim of Elohim's. God, the Creator. The one that I look around and I know He exists. He owns all things if you allow Him to own your life. Here's what He says. Submit. The word submit in the scripture means to place yourself up under Him. It means to arrange yourself. That means some things might be out of order. Arrange yourself in an orderly manner. The body of Christ hates order. Because I can't be free. I can't be me. I can't I can't, I can't, it can't be me. You need to be a child of God. It has order to it. Be under obedience is the next definition of this word. Be in subjection to. Ultimately, what he's saying is, look, you listen to him, you obey him, and you follow him. It's that simple. Look at this word, humble. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Again, you see this word curios, equivalent to Adonai. That means to bring yourself low. Say, got to get low. Got to get low to get high. A disposition you have is what this word means. I have a disposition of this. This is just my nature. This This is who I am. I'm not here to promote self. It goes on to say, it's an attitude of your heart. What's interesting about this is we've taken this elevated word, humble or humility, in society, and we've lowered it and dumbed it down to something, to nothing more than just an appearance on the outer side. It's kind of like I'm downtrodden, I got this beat up car I'm driving around, I can't own nothing, can't have nothing, and that shows that I'm a child of God. That shows you're a child of the devil. That's not true. Because the Lord of your life wants to provide for you your needs and your desires. He wants to protect you from the world. Not come out of the world and stay away from the world. He wants to protect you in the world. Not only does He want to protect you, He wants to promote you in the world. Take you to good places, doing great things, doing good things for Him. And here the Bible says that if I take this place of humility... And submission, it's the answer to great faith. Let me give you a couple thoughts on that. Uh, humility is more than an inward knowing and, a, and an outward position, it brings provision and protection. But I want you to look at Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13, real quick. Go there with me. The scripture says that humility and submission is directly connected to having great faith. Faith. Let me interpret that for you. Great faith is being able to do the impossible in your life. Great faith is seeing the very things and circumstances that you're facing right now through the eyes of victory. Twice, only twice in Scripture do you see Jesus use this phrase, and it's the phrase of they have great faith. One was the Canaanite woman. I'm not going to use her as an example today. And the other one was the centurion servant or Roman soldier, or an army officer. Read this with me. You don't have to read it out loud. Just listen. Jesus went to the city of Capernaum, and when he entered the city, an army officer came to him and begged for help. Roman soldier, centurion, whatever translation you're reading, whichever one you're using, basically, let's just make it very clear, this was not the most holiest person out there walking the grounds right now. Stereotype would be someone that's really kind of ungodly and measured every stereotype of that would be representative of a Roman soldier or a centurion or an army officer. And here he comes to Jesus because he had recognized something, begging for something, begging for help. Verse 6, the officer said, Lord, very key word here. This is a Roman soldier that people bow to him, that people are afraid of. Here he goes, Lord, my servant is very sick at home and in bed. He can't move his body and has much pain. He's carrying the responsibility of his servant. And he's coming to Lord Jesus to heal him. But look what the Roman goes on from here. Jesus said to the officer, I will go and heal him. Listen to the answer of the officer. The officer answered, Lord, I'm not good enough humility for you to come into my house you need only to give the order and my servant excuse me will be healed verse 9 i know this because i understand authority there are people who have authority over me and i have soldiers under my authority i tell one soldier come and he comes and i say to my servant do this and then my servant and my servant obeys me And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. I think the King James uses the word marveled. Two times great faith, and now you see something else. It's only two times in the New Testament Scripture where you see Jesus marveled and amazed at something. The first time he was marveled and amazed was when he came into his own hometown. And the Scripture says he could there do no mighty works because he marveled at their unbelief. Marveled, amazed. Are you kidding me? I'm Lord. I'm God. I'm the son of God. Listen, I've been doing all of this and and here I am into my home. You should know me better than anybody. You know how I was raised. You know everything about me. And can't you see the worst that are going on? He was marveled that their unbelief kept the blessing of God for working in their life. And in this case, he marveled at the centurion servant because he saw him as Lord and he didn't have to. He had access to anything in society to come and heal, to help, to take care of. He could have ordered anybody to go do something. And he had reached a place of impossibility. And he cared for this servant so much that he says, i got to find somebody that can do something about this. Great faith. Listen to what Jesus said. And he said to those that were with him. This would be the disciples. In a sense, this is a real slap in the face. Because they've been with him, they should know Jesus, they should, they've seen his miracles. And he says, I've not found anybody, especially not even you 12, I've not found anybody that has more faith than anyone i found in Israel. Verse 13, then Jesus said to the officer, Go home, your servant will be healed the way you believed he would. Right then his servant was healed. Let me ask you this question. Think about an impossibility maybe in your life right now. Everybody's got one. If you don't, come to me. I'll give you one. We can get in agreement together. I'm serious. I came to church this morning thinking about an extremely impossible thing in all the natural world that's all around it. It's, it's impossible. Well, it's not impossible to God because I understand lordship. I understand authority. And I understand how important it is to the confession of your faith that stays underneath of that lordship so that God can continue to work and do what He's doing in the life of the one that I'm believing for. And everything around that person tells me opposite of what I'm wanting and what I'm expecting. But everything within me tells me that the lordship of my Savior Jesus Christ and the authority of that name guarantees that the authority of the believer will work. Jesus said, this is how you have great faith, to submit and to be humble in your estimation of who you are and allow me to be Lord of your life. So let me ask you the question, whatever you're facing, how many in this room would love to have great faith? Okay, just a few of you, okay. Okay. Let me help you with that explanation. Great faith is not a matter of how much faith you have. It's a matter of the quality of understanding of faith you have. To say you got more faith or I got more faith than you is going contrary to Scripture. The Bible says every man, you, me, woman, boy, or girl, has a measure of the God-given faith. The faith the size of a grain of mustard seed that will move mountains. So it's not a matter of how much, but it is a matter of the quality and the place of humility and the place of submission that I go to with that faith. And if we will come into this place where Adonai becomes that place in our life, there's, you can't even imagine what Elohim would want to be doing in your life if we just make one little adjustment. <coughs> Adonai refers to this, the fact that he owns everything. And how about this? Point at somebody. Come on, point at somebody and say, he owns you too. Listen to these supporting scriptures. You ready? Psalm 97 verse 9. For the Lord, for you are Lord, owner most high over all the earth. You are exalted, exalted far above all gods, Elohims. Psalm 50, 10 through 11. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills, I know every bird of the mountains, that's great for a duck hunter right there. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine. No question here. Now, this was going to meddle a little bit. I had a lot more I was going to read to you out of this scripture, but I'm not going to do it because I just want to bring the compassion side back into this. But you need to hear this. He owns your body, too, if you'll give it to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 18 through 20. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your whole body. I understand, guys, that when you begin to talk about this word Adonai and some of the boldness in my tone, its root word comes from Adon, which really talks about master and and slave. Master and slave of our life. I understand that we have a culture that resists that because of history. But again, that's because man has come in and perverted something that was meant to be really good. In its root, it was provision. It was protection. And it was promotion. It was never meant to be control or dictatorship. It was never meant to be ugly. Remember this thought. Devil bad, God good. Two things I want you to see, and then I'm going to go into one more, maybe two more scriptures. When, when, Jesus bec- when God becomes your Adonai, say it with me, ruler, master, owner. Number one, he becomes sovereign master. When you say, Jesus, I want to make you my Lord of my life, You're saying, I'm giving you complete possession that brings provision, protection, and promotion. It's personal to him. Go with me to Ephesians. Let me read something to you. Ephesians chapter 5. There's probably no greater example of this on the earth today than the marriage of a husband and wife. Because there's something that happens when a wife comes up underneath of husband by taking on his last name. She is giving him lordship over her life, not control. Listen, you, you can't control Pastor Tiffany. Don't even try. I don't want to. But because anytime I've tried to control Pastor Tiffany, she resists, she rebels. But anytime I talk about provision and protection and promotion I I lift her up in the marriage to who she's called to be and I don't there's no submission ne- necessarily needed there's no force needed Listen to this scripture Wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord One translation of that word submit means to adapt but it also means to come up underneath of Lord It goes on, for the husband is the head of the wife also as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Now this is not in your app, it's not in your notes. I'm stepping off of that for a minute. Therefore just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Everything. Wives say everything. That's godly. If it's ungodly, you're not required to submit to that. You're never expected to come underneath of that control and dictator of ungodliness. No, because why? Because you're submitted to your real Lord, Elohim of Elohims, your protector, your provider, your promoter. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself, but nourisheth and cherisheth it just as the Lord does the church. Isn't it interesting that husbands, you can't be good husbands unless you're submitted to the Lord. If he's not your provider, protector, promoter, he's not your Lord of your life, where I'm actually coming and submitting my life to him, where I'm going to be a submissive servant, I'm going to depend on him for all things, he's my example, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ, until I come to that place where I'm saying, God, I need you to be my Lord. Now listen to me. Let's go back to Pastor Tiffany. If you come against Pastor Tiffany, stand up, baby. I know with everything within me, since the day I got married, she's top notch. She's the best. But I also, something happened within me that day. A place of ownership. A place to where she became mine. Don't mess with her. And if I see something start to come against her, what do I immediately do? I step into her place. I step in to protect her. I see people hurt her. I see people do things to her that causes her to cry, and she's not a crier at all, never does cry. But I see those kinds of things. What do I immediately do? I step in to become her defender. I see a need. I see a desire. I see things that she wants. She keeps talking about wanting this new bathroom in our house. And everything is in my mind right now trying to figure out how am I going to make that. I just gave her a pool. How am I going (laughs) to give her a bathroom? You can sit down. There's something in me, a lordship, knowledge, understanding of me that wants to begin to figure out, uh, well, it's more than love. It's lordship, it's a position, it's a place that she gave to me. I didn't take it from her. I didn't steal it from her. I didn't beg it from her. She's given it to me. She's given that lordship to me. And now because of the carrier of that name, I want to protect her. I want to provide for her. And not only that, I want to promote her. I want her to see her do well. I'm okay with taking a step back in place of, she's a much greater leader than I am. When it comes into leadership and, and navigating the day-to-day things of administration, she's much better than that. I'm more like, just do this and get over it. She like takes a little bit more time with it, but she's much better. I'm okay with that. Why? Because I understand my lordship is to promote her. My lordship is to provide for her. My lordship is to uh, uh, protect her in that. But I cannot do that unless he is my lord. I won't know how. I'll never know how to do it. And for me to be able to do it, I have to come to this place where I say, okay, Scripture, show me how do I do that. How do I allow Adonai to become the Lord of my life? Go with me to Luke chapter 6, 46 and 49. The Good News Translation. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you don't do what I tell you? Anyone who comes to me and listens to my words and obeys them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man who is building a house dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. The river flooded over the hit and hit the house that could not shake it because it was built well built. But anyone who hears my words and does not obey them is like a man who built his house without laying a foundation. And when the flood hit that house, it fell at once. And what a terrible crash that it was. I want to give you this quote. Believing in Jesus to be your Lord may take you to heaven. But when you really submit to him as Lord, it brings heaven to you on this earth. And until I realize that it's a place where I have to actually surrender life to Him, to the Scriptures and the Word, as we said last week, and allow it to really be the thing that tells me what I can and cannot do in life. There are certain things that the Scripture says don't do with your body because it belongs to God. There are certain things the Bible says don't allow your mind to go there because it will destroy you. It creates pictures and images that are contrary to what God says about you. The Bible says certain things don't say, don't talk, don't get around, don't get around these people. I'm not trying to make it about a do's and don'ts. There's a grace for all of this. But until I actually line up and say, you know what, whatever you say, God. Whatever you act, expect of me, this is how I bring your provision, your protection, and your promotion in my life. I'm just going to surrender and do it right now. If you don't, guess what you're surrendering to? Chaos. You will surrender to chaos, and, and sometimes we can look at our life and say and see all of the turmoil that's going on around. Sometimes it's an example of the enemy being there in your life. But most of the time, it's just an adjustment that we need to make in ourselves. One of the safest places to help us do that is actually maybe organized church and and coming around the family as we're doing right now. You get around people that are expecting and believing the same thing and looking for the same things out of life. It's devilish to come away from this kind of setting. The Bible says as you see that day approaching, gather yourselves together all the more because your enemy out there is searching whom he can devour. He wants to take you away from the very thing that will bring provision into your life, take you away from the very thing that will protect you, the very thing that may promote you in the life to come. He wants to pull you away from that just like He did Eve and help you forget that God wants to be the Lord of your life. Ultimately, when we take the word submission and you take the word humility, here's what we're really saying He owns it all, and I'm a steward of what He owns. I'm here to manage what belongs to Him. But I want to leave you with these few scriptures. Psalm 145.3 again. Stand up with me this morning. Great is the Lord. He's most worthy of praise. No one can measure His greatness. Tell someone He's a good God. He loves you. Cares for you. Knows what needs you have. Wants to bring provision in your life. Matthew 6, 24. But remember this. Remember, no one can serve two masters. Either you're the master of yourself or he's the master of you. To be the master, allow him to be master requires humility and submission. They're not bad words. They're actually freeing words. They're words that bring blessing into your life. Don't allow man to use it and abuse it but allow God to use it and create promotion in your life. Final scripture, 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that in he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Every head bow, every eye close. My challenge is today to really invite him into your life as Adonai. Invite Him to be Lord, to be Master, to be Ruler. Not to control you, not to dictate you, but to bring blessing and promotion and provision in your life. Will you pray this with me? As of right now, I submit my life to you, Father God, and your Son, Jesus, as my Lord. I surrender life to you, and I decree... I say, I make a bold statement that you are the Lord of my life. And everybody said, let me pray with you. Father, you're so good. We love you so much. I thank you for the sobering thought that you brought us uh, to here today. And I pray that if there's anybody in this house that they've never realized how much goodness you have in store for them and never made you the Lord of their life through salvation. Entrance into heaven and the goodness of heaven and eternity secure. I pray that today that someone will come into their path and give them an opportunity to hear you. Maybe today they've sat in this service and questioned some of these thoughts that we have. I pray, Father, that more opportunities will come their way. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Say, as of right now, He's a good God and the Lord of my life.